0: Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come, Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint seeking to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come, Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that you will allow me to join in your gospel dialogue. With that introduction, let's start this Family Room Discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode two, following along with I Saw a Pillar of Light, Joseph Smith History, verses one through twenty-six. Uh, we made it. Wow, we did it. We are now in twenty-twenty-one. <laughs> we survived twenty-twenty. As I've said, I actually love the year twenty-twenty, even with all the ups and downs. I really enjoyed it, had a great time. But we are in a new year, and I want to wish you all well. Yeah. Hope that 2021, if 2020 wasn't your year, that 2021 certainly is, and hope it's just a great year for you. If you haven't made goals, make some. I really encourage you to do so, and do not forget to write them down. I've been listening to this uh, audio, I don't even know what you call it, a lecture series, I guess, by Brian Tracy. It's called The Psychology of Success, and he discusses how how people don't write down their goals, and that's why so many people don't accomplish them. But as we write them down, really cements in our minds, makes it real and tangible. And so, yes, write your goals down. I highly encourage you to do so. I've been doing that, and I really have seen the results of of that task. Just by writing down my goals, they become so much more real, and I have something to work towards. Uh, before I begin, I'd like to give a shout-out to my sister, Ashley, for designing my new podcast logo i guess i I don't know what what i what what it's called cover yeah podcast cover uh if you if you didn't take if you didn't see it go see it i think it looks oh my goodness it just looks so incredible it she did such a great job she's incredibly talented and i am so thankful ashley thank you for doing that for me i really do truly appreciate it it looks so good i was just so excited i was like that's perfect that's exactly what i wanted so I'm excited about that. Uh, That made my week. As a final reminder, this is the last week to fill out the feedback survey for my podcast. I will close those responses on January 10th. Once again, thank you for those who have given me your feedback. And and it really is anonymous. I don't know. uh, I hesitate. I know one person because they told me (laughs) that it was their feedback. So unless you tell me, I don't know who it is. But thank you for those who have filled that out, given me your feedback. I've been going over it looking at ways to implement uh, those suggestions or ways to just keep going. Got a lot of great encouragement too. So so thank you. This is the last week. January 10th is when it closes. That's a Sunday. And uh, also, if you'd be interested in being a guest on my show during the, the special guest episodes, uh, fill that last section in, the last box. Go ahead and just like leave a note saying, you know, I'd love to be a special guest. And then, like I said, you got to put your name or else I won't know. Or just text me or whatever, message me over social media, however you want to. But if you'd be interested in being a special guest, let me know. And and I will figure out on the schedule because I've been um, getting that ready. I've been compiling that for, for this year. And I'll, I mean, yeah, I just, I want to make sure that I'm not replicating guests or anything like that. So, uh, So help me out. If you'd be interested, I'd love to have you on. Let me know. The link, once again, to the survey will be in the episode description, and then, like I said, I will close that down by next, by the next time you hear my voice. So, with all of that, let's get on to the lesson. The Doctrine and Covenants is a book of answers to prayers, and I want to stop and ask, do you keep a record, a personal record, of your answers to prayers? Um, I do. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I've said that before, at least in season one, I certainly did. I have, I call it my revelation journal and I keep it with me and uh, it's not necessarily always like answers to prayers specifically, like as I pray and then receive answers, but anytime something happens or where I witness the spirit or whatever it is, I I write it down, I keep a note, I put the date that it happened and then write my thoughts in and or make a record of what happened And, and that's been really important to me, especially through you know, more challenging times of, of, uh, my faith's been questioned. I can go back to that and look and be like, no, that's right. Like just because right now I'm, I'm feeling in a low point doesn't mean that heavenly father's abandoned me. I have a personal record that I can turn to and be like, he's never abandoned me. Um, he's always there. Sometimes I just don't notice it. And so if you don't, if you aren't keeping a personal record, I would add that to the suggestion list of things to do is, have one. Mine's really small. It's a pocket size. Um, it's, It's like a hardcover, little pocket size journal. And it's fantastic. I love it. So yeah, if you're not doing that, do that. Continuing on. Many of the sacred revelations in this book came in response to questions. So it's appropriate to begin studying the Doctrine and Covenants by considering the question that began the latter day outpouring of Revelation. The one Joseph Smith asked in a grove of trees in 1820. A war of words and and tumult of opinions had left Joseph confused about religion and the state of his soul. Perhaps you can relate to that. There are many conflicting ideas and persuasive voices in our day, and when we want to sort through these messages and find truth, we can do what Joseph Smith did. We can ask questions, study the scriptures, ponder, and ultimately ask God. Uh, By the way, that very same thing is in uh, Moroni chapter 10. In response to Joseph's prayer, a pillar of light descended from heaven. God the Father and Jesus Christ appeared and answered his questions. Joseph's testimony of what that miraculous experience boldly declares that anyone who lacks wisdom might ask of God and obtain. We can all receive, if not a heavenly vision, at least a clearer vision illuminated by heavenly light. And uh, that's certainly been true for me. I have not received to my knowledge at least, or, you know, to, to, no, I just, for sure, I have not received a heavenly vision in my lifetime. Uh, but certainly whenever I pray my, my vision, especially in those like really deep prayers, right? My vision has, and does become clearer. So that is my testimony as well. I, I add my testimony to that, that I've seen it for myself in the first section Joseph Smith is the prophet of the restoration. And it reads the purpose of Joseph Smith's history was to put us in possession of the facts because the truth about Joseph was often has often been distorted. As you read in Joseph Smith history, what strengths what strengthens your testimony of his divine calling? Note the evidences you find that the Lord prepared Joseph Smith for his prophetic mission. As you read, you might also record your thoughts and feelings about Joseph Smith and his testimony. And I, I've said it before. I will say it probably every episode. I love the Prophet Joseph. Um, he he has a true heart, and he is a dear friend to everyone. That was his character. I I really feel strongly about that. Having at least not being able to remember knowing him personally, I, I would hope in the, the pre mortal life that he and I were friends. Um, I know I certainly would have wanted to be his friend, whether, whether or not he wanted to be my fr- friend is yet to be seen. But, um, I do have a, a, just a strong belief. I guess you could say a testimony that he was a friend to everyone. Um, he was unconventional. He was witty in many aspects. He was unrefined, which I love. <laughs> I, I dearly love that about him. And to me, he is as close to perfection. Um, as a mortal person, obviously, Jesus Christ was and is perfect. He was as close to perfection as any mortal could achieve in this life. I really believe that. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I just have always felt like Joseph Smith was someone that I wanted to be best friends with uh, growing up. I, I I know that was strengthened. There is a, uh, and I'll I'll reference this probably periodically, but if you haven't listened to it, you need to. You need to get your hands on this. It's fantastic. But Truman Madsen did a, I guess, you know, a lecture series. It was called, I believe it's called Joseph Smith the Prophet. Maybe maybe, maybe it's something different. But it, essentially, it's Joseph Smith. It's about Joseph Smith, obviously, in his life. And it's several lectures where he goes through and, and discusses. But in, in uh, at least one in particular, he talks about his character and... Just as you as you hear and you listen to just stories <laughs> stories from his life, things that you don't read in the scriptures, like the doctrine and covenant stuff, but you would probably read in a, in the church history or whatever. Um, I mean, he just he was. I don't even think I have a good adjective to describe. He was a character, like he was not a stale, boring person. He had. Just tons of personality and man, like I said, you just to me, he's like someone that I I hope was my best friend before this life kind of thing. It's just he was that guy. He's a guy that everyone wants to be friends with. And uh like I just I'm so I'm so glad that we get to do we get to study Doctrine and Covenants and and learn more not only about him but but obviously the restoration and and everything. I could go on and on, but it would just be rambling. So we'll move on to the second second section. If I ask in faith, God will answer. Uh, let's let's start with some verses here. Start with some verses that stuck out to me. First one was verse eleven. While I was laboring under the extreme difficulties caused by the contests of these parties of religionists. I was one day reading the epistle of James, first chapter and fifth verse, which reads, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Uh, an observation I have, I'm going to point out here, you you probably have the same observation, but he was near the end of the Bible. Uh, I mean, in the epistle of James, that's, that's near the end, right? And so to me, I, what I'm gaining from this is that, this wasn't just him skimming the scriptures or anything. And then all of a sudden pops in and said like, Oh, i got a question or whatever. Like he had been studying the scriptures. He had been really, whether he had the question before or after his study through the process of studying, he was looking for answers to his question. And then he reads in James and this verse sticks out to him. Uh, Paraphrasing his words, essentially this verse stuck out to him more than any verse that stuck out to someone ever before. Like this was one of the most important verses to him. And so for me, I, what I'm thinking about is how can I make my study to that level where like I am, I am looking, I am searching and pondering. Uh, like that's what I want my studies to look like. That puts me in a place where as I'm reading and not exactly sure what I'm looking for necessarily, just knowing that the answers will be in the scriptures. How can I make that? Part of my study. And the other question I have is how long had he had this question before he got his answer, or at least got an answer that he could act upon and then go and receive the answer in the most powerful way, right? Receiving a uh, visitation from Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> that's crazy to me. That's insane. How can I make my study that powerful? And then in the, the second verse that stuck out here from this ch- or uh, section, excuse me, was a uh, 14? So in accordance with this, my determination to ask of God, I retired to the woods to make the attempt. It was on the morning of a beautiful clear day, early in the spring of 1820. It was the first time in my life that I had made such an attempt, for amidst all my anxieties, I had never as yet made the attempt to pray vocally. I was reading this week. Um, you know, I got to this verse and I... T- turned to Alexis, my wife, and I said, we don't know the day. This is is not stupid, probably. I was like, we don't know the day that he had the first vision. And she was like, you're right. She's like, yeah, Dalton, good job. I was like, I just, I don't know. We have so many days recorded in church history, and yet we don't know the exact day. I, I don't know. That's a random thing. But from this verse, what I really got from it is that there is power in praying vocally. And I don't know about you. I've experienced that where normally I don't pray vocally. Normally I pray uh, silently in my head, uh, even like my nighttime personal prayers are that way. And t- typically, right. The the vast majority of my prayers are private, are silent and private. But when I do uh, make a special effort to pray vocally, like there's, there's power in those prayers and I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it, but there is like a special strength of the Holy Ghost that comes. So if you haven't prayed vocally in a while, set some time to do that. Make that a priority to to have a vocal prayer and experience that. And the third section, why are there various accounts of the first vision? And two verses, well, actually, no, excuse me. First, let me read the section because it's important to me. During his life, Joseph Smith recorded his experience in the sacred grove at least four times, often using a scribe. In addition, several secondhand accounts were written by people who had heard Joseph talk about his vision. Although these accounts differ in some details, depending on the audience and setting, they are otherwise consistent, and each account adds details that help us better understand Joseph Smith's experience, just as each of the four Gospels help us better understand the Savior's ministry. Uh, that's, where, that's where I'm going to stop right there on that. So as a storyteller, at least I call myself a storyteller. And if you've ever had the either pleasure or displeasure of being stuck in one of my stories, you know what I'm talking about. But I can confirm that when, as you're telling stories, especially, you know, details of stories change based off of like your audience, the time that you're telling it, the the contextual setting you're in. Like I could tell one story to one group and then almost immediately tell the same story to a different group. And I, can almost guarantee that I would change details just without even, like, unconsciously change details to the story. Not not lying. Like, I'm not talking about, like, changing details so that the story is not even the same story. But I would, you know... That's what you do. When you're telling a story, you change the, the information to best meet the needs of either your audience or the setting you're in or whatever it is. That is... And, and we all do that. I don't know if you can, you know consciously think of a time you've done it but i'm sure if you've thought about a time where you told a story especially if you did it like if you're married i know that you'll have this experience because i will be telling a story to one group or like the very first time i tell the story right lex will be listening and she will key into every detail then later i will repeat that story to a different group and she will be like like just on the dot if i miss something she'll be like wait you forgot to say this part and i'll be like oh yeah yeah, that's right and then this happened right like (laughs) Like, that's just how stories go. We can't remember every single detail. And it's actually, um, to me, it's almost like more concerning if the details to someone's story stay exactly the same every time. Because uh, then it feels like a little too scripted. You know what I mean? But yeah, so at least for me, I y- and you'll hear this. Look, you will, you're going to hear this from me throughout this year as we're studying Doctrine and Covenants. Um, if it sounds like... I don't know. Like, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, uh, I'm explaining something as if there's someone out there doubting it. It's because I've experienced someone tell me that they have a doubt in this particular area, and I have received through my life. I've I've had to explain this to people that just because there's various accounts with different details is not a at least for me not a cause for concern. And so that's my perspective on it, is like stories change. Now, if if obviously if massive details change, then that's a different story. That's that's a different thing. But just the small details or whatever, uh, that's part of the process. So with that, in 15, verse 15. After I had retired to the place where I had previously designed to go, having looked around me and finding myself alone, I kneeled down and began to offer up the desires of my heart to God. I had scarcely done so when immediately I was seized upon by some power which entirely overcame me and had such an astonishing influence over me as to bind my tongue so that I could not speak. Thick darkness gathered around me and it seemed to me, for a time, as if I were doomed to sudden destruction. From that verse... Uh, Never be at ease with the power Satan possesses because he does have power. And of course it doesn't outmatch God's power, but Satan does have power and it's foolishness in us to believe that, that he doesn't or that, you know, we shouldn't be wary of Satan. We a hundred percent should be wary of Satan. And this is a small aside, but one time I, on the mission, I was reading the Joseph Smith story and forgot, like, here's a perfect example of where you share certain, certain details based off of context. Typically, as a missionary, when you're sharing the first vision, you don't (laughs) go ahead and share the part about Satan seizing him, right? Like, it's kind of a, I guess I wouldn't use the word, like, scary, but you're you're trying to share the first vision. That's what you're trying. You're trying to bring the Holy Ghost. Well, (laughs) Well, anyway, one time I remember sharing... And I shared the part of, I was reading this and I got to that part and I was like, in my head, like if you can picture missionary Dalton, I just started panicking. I was like, oh no, I'm not supposed to be reading from this part. This isn't like the helpful part of bringing the Holy Ghost. And I think because I overthought the whole thing, like, I can't even remember how the lesson ended. I just remember being like, I overthought so bad. Anyway, that was a random aside, just a story from Dalton on his mission. Verse 19 also stuck out to me. It says, I was answered that I must join none of them, for they were all wrong. And the personage who addressed me said that all their creeds were an abomination in his sight, that those professors were all corrupt, that they draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They teach for doctrines the commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And just, like, listen to the strength of that language that's, that's used. Joseph, This is Joseph quoting... Uh, my assumption is Jesus Christ. And that... They draw near to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They teach for doctrines the commandments of men, having a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. That's some strong language. And and as I was thinking about this, like, how often do we downplay the actions of others? Like, we're, we're like, well, it's, it's not that bad, or whatever. And here, like... I mean obviously Christ is allowed to say this he's Jesus Christ but he says it very bluntly no they're denying me they're denying the gospel and that's not okay and you know for me what I learned here is that or at least what stuck sticks out to me as a lesson to learn is that we are truly judged by both our actions as well as our intentions both are important it's not you know one or the other but, like, we will be judged on a full holistic scale. And so, want to have both, you know, your intentions in the right spot. But more, more than just intentions, you got to be doing the right things, too. So, thoughts on that. Now, in the fourth section, the first vision began the restoration of Jesus Christ's gospel. There's a video associated with this. If you haven't watched it, I recommend doing so. Or, like, so... Like for me, for example, I actually study using the book. I like the physical manual, and then I will go back through the digital version. Um, probably an excessive amount of work to do that, but I like it. It works for me. And so the video that it, that it shares, this link, is, uh, it's, it's, it's the first vision. But if I recall, I'm not positive if this is true, but I remember going to the Church History Museum in Temple Square and that they have this, um, I can't remember if it's like a 360 room or a 180 room or whatever, but it's like these video screens all around the room. I don't, that's a, that's a part I don't remember. Is it all around the round room? So that would make it 360? Or was it only <laughs> part one? Whatever it is, all right? They have this super cool room that you can go into and uh, watch this this video. And the video plays all around you. So you are like in the grove. And obviously I, like, I, I guess you probably can't do that right now with uh, COVID restrictions and stuff, but whenever you're able to, I recommend going, it was a super cool spiritual experience and, um, and, and, just watch the, you can watch the video obviously normal on your, on your smart device, but cool how they did it. Cool how they compiled it. And, uh, just the perspective it gives. I, I think it's awesome yeah, the verse that sticks out here for me was in verse 20. It says, he again forbade me to join with any of them and many other things did he say unto me, which I cannot write at this time. When I came to myself again, I found myself lying on my back, looking up into heaven. When the light had departed, I had no strength, but soon recovering in some degree, I went home. And I can stop right there and say that uh, spiritual, whether it be visions or experiences, revelation, whatever, um, and... I in no way have come even close to the experiences Joseph Smith had both in this experience that he's discussing as well as just throughout his life of, of all the things, of all the visions and revelations he had, I have come nowhere close, but from my, my small experiences, I can say that it requires both a physical and spiritual stamina. Every time there's, there's whatever interaction with heaven it is. Um, It takes, it takes both, both the body and the spirit, you know, coming together as the soul, both have a strength. And I, to me, at least I believe when we come close to the veil, when we touch the veil, that takes a spiritual and a physical strength, um, a, a stamina, so to speak through those experiences. Um, but now I'll continue reading on. But soon recovering in some degree, I went home, and as I I leaned up to the fireplace, mother inquired what the matter was. I replied, never mind, all is well. I am well enough off. I then said to my mother, I have learned for myself that Presbyterianism is not true. It seems as though the adversary was aware at a very early period of my life that I I was destined to prove a disturber and an an annoyer of his kingdom. Else why should the powers of darkness combine, combine against me? Why the opposition and persecution that arose against me almost in my infancy... I would say, you know, can you answer Joseph's question? The both the, those both of those last two, right? Why else should the powers of darkness combine combine against me? Why the opposition and persecution that arose against me, almost in my infancy? Uh, to me, my answer comes because obviously Satan knew the mission Joseph was going to play. He knew that role and wanted to, you know, stop him at any cost, but that's, that's my own personal belief. Also, you know, I think the belief of a lot of people, but critics are unable to answer that question, at least in a way that really makes sense in any logical fashion. Uh, you know, why all the opposition against Joseph? Well, clearly he was filled with, you know, the devil. <laughs> like, well, I'll get into that more in the fifth, in this, in the fifth section, the final section for uh, the personal study. But like, like, seriously, can you answer the question? Why does it appear that so much was against Joseph Smith? Um, Because yeah, to me, it it just points to the fact that he 100% was the prophet of the restoration. In the fifth section, I can remain true to what I know, even if others reject me. And here's where I'll talk a little bit more about that. But uh, so first two verses, first two verses, uh, one was 22 and then 24 first 22. I soon found, however, that my telling the story had excited a great deal of prejudice against me among professors of religion and was the cause of great persecution, which I can, which, excuse me, which continued to increase. And though I was an obscure boy only between 14 and 15 years of age and my circumstances in life, such as to make a boy of no consequence in the world, yet men of high standing would take notice sufficient to excite the public mind against me and create a bitter persecution. And this was common among all the sects. Uh, all united to persecute me. What do you do? Have you ever had an experience where someone starts spouting out nonsense in public or, I mean, or even private, but for the most part in, in public, like what happens? Because from my experience, everyone tries to ignore that person. I have multiple times been in a public situation where someone starts spouting nonsense, whether they had a mental illness or, or whatever, um, There was this one time actually that it, I don't, I don't think the guy had a mental illness at all. I just think he was, he didn't care, but we were in downtown Salt Lake and this guy just starts shouting at the top of his lungs that everyone was going to hell and whatever. I don't even remember the rest of it. I just remember that part. Cause I was like, well, he's probably right. But, uh, <laughs> like you, do you know what everyone did? Like, can you guess what everyone did? Everyone ignored him and kept walking. Like everyone did their absolute best to ignore this individual and keep moving. And, so on one hand, on my my one observation is if if uh, Joseph Smith was a liar, if he was crazy, if if all these things that he's been called was the case, then why would anyone care? Who cares? Other than of course the fact that people were listening to him, right? But then, how many crazy people do you know that people listen to and can create a following? There are dangerous people, don't get me wrong, but one one like criticism I've heard is that Joseph Smith was just crazy. Well, that clearly can't be true. If that were the case, to me, logically, then people would just ignore him. That's that's my experience anyway. Uh, and my, my big question is, why did everyone care? It's especially because what Joseph Smith was teaching and talking about from his first vision and stuff, that didn't hurt you or hurt me. Uh, now, obviously, you and I are followers, you and I believe, but, but who does it hurt? Who is affected? Who You know, it's not a violent belief. It's not a violent doctrine. He was discussing, especially we're just talking about the first vision itself, right? I mean, this his this prejudice. He's talking about. He's talking about this as being an obscure boy. The only story he could tell at this point was his first vision. So at least with this, is there anything dangerous about that? No. To me, I mean, to me, and I'm just gonna say it as a flat out no. The answer is no. There was nothing from this Uh, clearly. Satan was doing everything he could to stir up everyone against him. That's my observation anyway. Um, So, yeah. Then in verse 24, However, it was nonetheless a fact that I had beheld a vision I had thought since that I felt much like Paul when he made his defense before King Agrippa and related the account of the vision he had had when he saw a light and heard a voice, but still there were but few who believed him. Uh, Which which is a great both example as well as, uh, you know, I think it's a great comparison, especially because one and just historically speaking, so many people believed obviously in the account of Paul, and yet no one would believe the account of Joseph Smith in his own time, uh, which were, has repeated itself throughout the course of scripture. Uh, you know, Lehi even talking about how they, the Jews, worshipped Moses. But would they have worshipped him in their own time? The answer being no, they would have stoned him because that's what they were doing to tell the other prophets. So this is a pattern that's repeated itself. It's like everyone says, historically, we would have believed Moses or Abraham or Adam or whoever. But then when they have a prophet in their own day, people don't believe him. That's that's a theme throughout history. Uh, You know, honestly, because people don't learn from history, clearly. But uh, this is just an observation I had. Uh, something, not a big thing. Speaking back to that as a storyteller, you know, things change. I actually believe that this part where that he inserts here, um, he's giving this in 1838, this account. And so what, 18 years has passed since 1820. And uh, I actually think that the example of of Paul and, and King Agrippa using this example, to me, I just think that that came over time. Like I don't think as a 14-year-old, that's exactly what he was thinking was, this is just like Paul. Maybe, like, certainly he would have read that account, right? Like we said, he got to James. Uh, so he definitely would have read about Paul's account and stuff. But I actually think with time, and and part of me thinks of that because of the Truman Madsen uh, lecture series about Joseph Smith, where he talks about that Joseph Smith had direct relationships with with Paul, with Adam, with with all of the prophets. He had learned directly from them. And, uh, w- you know, had a personal relationship with them. So I actually think that the account we're given here is is with, you know, wisdom that Joseph Smith was able to, to make that. I don't know if that thought helps or, or doesn't help. And I could very well be wrong. Maybe at 14, he 100% was like, I feel exactly like Paul when he was before King Agrippa. Which is, it doesn't really matter if it was then or now. I just think that one was a, with context, his, you know, wisdom kicked in. He was like, Wow. Yeah, this is 100% exactly like how Paul was. Uh, the other thing, though, from 24 is that, right, think about what Paul went through when Paul went through it. I wonder if Paul in his time was like, why am I standing before King Agrippa and being persecuted for my beliefs and, and sharing this testimony, and it's not believed, and if I'm remembering correctly, King Agrippa even said, I am tempted to believe, right? Like, I'm I'm this close, believing like you're very convincing very persuasive and uh and anyway like is paul's going through that in his own time i wonder and probably not because paul was a boss but i wonder if if he was like why am i going through this 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 is this is terrible this is not exactly the most comfortable situation and yet look at how it helped joseph smith just the same way as joseph smith going through his trials can help me in my time thinking when i go through very minor things I can look to Joseph Smith and think, wow, like his example is able to help me, right? And I think that was shown, especially through, uh, with COVID at least, and the last general conference, how many times was section 121 of Doctrine and Covenants referenced in general conference? It was a lot because that was a very dark time for Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail. And so uh, what we go through, point being what I want to take and what I hope you've thought about is that your trials in your life aren't always just for you. Uh, they are 100% personal for you, but also remember that you know they're to help other people too. So don't hate your trials, um, even though they can be the worst. And believe me, I know that trials can absolutely be the worst, but but have try and have that eternal perspective that they can also be, and should also be used to help other people because they 100% can. The uh, last thing I want to share was from in the family scripture study. It's in Joseph Smith. Uh, verse 6. So, give me a second as I have to, you know, scroll through to find it, but I found it. For notwithstanding the great love which the converts to these different faiths expressed at the time of their conversion and the great zeal manifested by the respective clergy who were active in getting up and promoting this extraordinary scene of religious feeling, in order to have everybody converted, as they were pleased to call it, let them join what sect they please. Yet, when the converts began to file off, some to one party and some to another, it's... (laughs) It was seen that they see it, it. was seen that the seemingly good feelings of both the priests and the converts were more pretended than real. For a scene of great confusion and bad feeling ensued. Priest contending against priest and convert against convert, so that all their good feelings, one for another, if they ever, <laughs> if they ever had any, sorry, I just think this is so funny the way he's saying it, if they ever had any, were entirely lost in a strife of words and a contest about opinions. <laughs> Like I'm saying, like, he is unmatched. Joseph is unmatched in his honesty and way of speaking. He just... Like, this is... That is... I mean, sure, it's like a careful way of saying it, I suppose. But it's very clear what he's saying. is like, if they even had any. Like, just matter of fact. Like, I'm doubting that they had even good feelings. I think it was all made-upness, right? And uh, and I love that. But this is a question that I kind of... I mean, I, w- I want to... Or I guess, yeah, no, I'm going to re-ask the question that's asked in this. How can we handle disagreements without becoming contentious? Um, Because that is an important skill. And something I think important for all of our lives that we all need to learn how to do is is how can we handle disagreements without becoming contentious? And, you know, a a question that I leave with you, and this is, I'm, I'm not, I didn't make this up myself. This comes from the lesson but I'm asking this as well, is how can we respond when people question our testimonies? How how do you respond? Do you have an example of a time where someone's questioned your testimony? How did you handle it? Uh, both good examples and bad examples. I'm, I'm just curious is how do you respond to that? And uh, and yeah, so that's what I'll leave with you. There's two things that, like, uh, that you should go through in your own study, but there's the voice of the restoration in this. Kind of cool just to get... The, the words from the various people associated with, uh, you know, during this time and things like that. And then the other is, uh, it has the, the context, the doctrinal, it says Doctrine and Covenants Historical Resources. It's in the, the lesson through the app. And you should download those. It's super cool. I was, as I was going through, it had the, uh, the four accounts by Joseph Smith. And then also the additional accounts and it gives you context to why those accounts are written or, or you know what time period and and all of those things really cool that we have that really cool that it's just so easily available and helped me with my study. So I think it can help you with yours for sure. Thank you for inviting me to your family room discussion. What ideas, questions or insights did you have from Joseph Smith history verses one through 26 until we meet again,